Open your Bibles with me, if you would, please, to First uh, Peter. First Peter. We begin today with our first look at First Peter. As we study this book, we're going to see together the promise of God, of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Um, I don't. I just want to take a couple of minutes uh, together this morning to introduce uh, this book. We'll look at the first. A few verses, we'll look at a couple of specific truths found in it. Uh, We'll pick this up again uh, probably next week and then maybe even the week after that. Next week will be, um, I believe, the, yeah, we'll have two weeks now before the tent meeting. So we'll have two Sunday mornings and and then the Monday after that second Sunday morning, we'll begin our, uh, sorry, I have tears in my eyes, hold on. Um, We'll begin that tent meeting. I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to what God wants to do in our lives uh, through those couple of weeks specifically together. All right, let's read. Let's read. We'll start in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. So 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Brother John read it. We'll read it again. We'll read down to verse 9, and then we'll pray, and we'll take a look at these things. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, To the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom... Though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Our Father, very much like the song the girls just sang, we realize that the joy unspeakable and full of glory is in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we can go in, and this is reserved, preserved, kept for us because of the completeness of our salvation, which is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you that as we would spend the next couple of minutes together uh, looking into your word, that you would cause each and every one of us to not only see the difference 
that your word can make in our lives, but that tomorrow, tomorrow morning when we wake up, that it would make the difference it's meant to make tomorrow, all day, Tuesday, all day, and Wednesday, all day, and so on, and so on, and so on. That we would live by faith in you, at your word, not by sight, not by our understanding, but by what you say concerning these things. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to draw your attention for just a moment to the hymn, one of the hymns that we sang this morning. I don't pick the uh, songs. I don't pick the songs for the hymns. I don't pick the special music. I don't pick the offertories. I don't pick anything having to do with the music. That's all handled by some others in the church. But I'd like you to open your hymnal to hymn number two. Uh, excuse me, 326, hymn 326, hymn 326, I want to I want, I read what it says, because I want you to see the hymn writer's joy in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. So listen, notice how it starts, it says, oh soul, are you weary and troubled, no light? In the darkness you see, there's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, the last says, last says this, his word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Your Bible is... Christ-centered. God the Father is Christ-centered. Your life is meant to be Christ-centered. This book is written to the strangers scattered, right? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered. Now, the immediate, direct audience were believing Hebrews scattered throughout the world, those who were Hebrew, who were also born again. And if you, as you read through the entire book, and obviously we're not going to do that today, what you'll realize is that he's talking about the fact that those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, are a small portion, percentage if you will, of those who are the Hebrews who should have known that their Messiah had come. Now, to us, this, this truth that God has given is to us, those of us who are born again, who are not just Hebrews, but those that are of any nationality. Now, curiously, there probably are not a lot of Hebrews in the room with us this morning, which would make the rest of us all Gentiles. So we would be Gentiles. That's who we would be. Now, what I want you to understand is this. We are still strangers scattered. Curiously, I believe quite, 
quite honestly, I believe that if you did the math, the truly born-again Christians, as compared to those who profess to be Christians in the world today, may be a lower percentage than the Hebrews that were on the earth to those that were born again Hebrews. If you understand what I'm saying. Meaning we live in an age, we live in a time when the truth that God wants us to see here, there are many who will assemble today throughout the world in buildings similar to the one that we're in right now who will call themselves Christians who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're Christians by name, they're Christian by denomination perhaps, they're Christian by birth, they're Christian by family orientation, but they're not new creatures, they're not born again. But this, this, this is not written to those people. Now, it is God's desire that none would perish. It is God's desire that all of those that profess to be Christians would truly be born again. All of those that have had any kind of pretense in their life that they would be able to escape from this, that they would no longer walk around in a vain show, but that they would really have the fullness of life that God wants them to have. Now, if you put your finger here, or your ribbon, I'm going to put my ribbon here, and turn back Obviously, the book of James is right behind here. We just finished the study of the book of James. But turn back behind the book of James to the book of Hebrews. I simply want to bring this to your attention before we begin our study in the book of First Peter. We may actually do a little bit more with the placement of the book as we go forward. But for right now, I just want you to take this with you. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 20, Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 20, This is what you'll find written. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The book of Hebrews, beginning in the book of Hebrews, we have the reality epistles. We have God speaking to us. Listen, please hear me. We have God speaking to us about what do you really have? What do you really have in your life? All the way up to this point in the New Testament, we have all of the truths about who our Lord Jesus Christ is and what he has done, what he has accomplished, what he is doing in your life, all of these things. So in my Bible, you know, I go back to Malachi chapter 4. Now this is the beginning of my New Testament. Matthew starts right there. This is an awful lot. There's not a lot left after you get to this point. But all of this, in all of this, God is, is showing us the truth, and he's explaining to us the truth, both of the message and what the messengers, what it looks like. And now what God is saying is, and this is so, so important in your life, and it'll be, it will be so important in your life tomorrow. What do you really have? What do you really have? Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says that the God of peace is the one who wants to make us perfect. He's the one who wants to change our lives so that we can enter in to the promises that God has given us. The promises The promise is, not promises plural, but the promise is that the Christ is going to come to set people free. 
That's the promise. And that when he sets people free, he will give them the Holy Ghost to live within them. And it will change everything. This is not preached and taught enough in the world in which we live. It hasn't been preached and taught enough in the age in which we live. Jesus Christ came not just to pay for your sins, but he did come to pay for your sins. He came to pay for your sins and to give you a new heart, to change everything. I want to stop for just a moment right there. How many of you, and you can go ahead and raise your hand, how many of you would say, I really believe that Jesus is the Christ. I really believe he has paid for my sins. I really believe that Jesus has paid for my sins and that I have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Raise your hand if that's true for you. Go ahead. You can close your eyes if you want. I don't care. But raise it nice and high and say, I really believe that's true for you. All right. Now, go ahead and put your hand down. That's, that's wonderful. So the vast majority, you know, I didn't look around to see who was and wasn't raising their hand, but I just saw hands everywhere. So it appears that the vast majority of the people in the room, so hundreds of people together, raising their hand at, their, at the same time, saying that we believe that Jesus paid for our sins. All right. Now, how many of you are, would say this honestly? I, I am aware, maybe, maybe for the first time ever in my life really, but I am aware right now that not only did God promise to pay for my sins, but that he promised to live in my heart so that the power of sin would no longer have dominion over me anymore. Amen? How many of you would, just raise your hand if, that, if you understand on some level that this is true. All right, go ahead and put your hands back down. Now, let me ask you this question. How much does that change Tuesday for you? Does anybody understand what I mean by that? Does anybody else ever have this? It would have, everything would have been wonderful if you hadn't done that. Anybody ever have that happen? Because I do, right? I mean, I was really walking with Jesus until you did that. And now, not so much right now, right? I was commenting to someone um, just today. I think Malcolm and Sheila probably and I were talking about this. I had no idea how far away from what God wanted my life was when Jesus saved me. Because I had grown up around a great deal of alcohol, a great deal of fighting, a great deal of yelling and screaming, and and I just had grown up around this. So to me, this was very normal. It was even normal for those who loved each other for these things to be true in their lives. And I was set free from the penalty You know, I didn't have to pay for my sins anymore. And I didn't want to live the way I lived before anymore. But I didn't really have victory over so much of this in my life. Now listen, I I could do pretty good on Sunday. I mean, we all got dressed up and came here, right? I could behave myself in front of a group of people. But here's the difficulty. And this is what God, listen, there's a purpose for what I'm saying. God is not interested in you having to live subject to your own passions anymore. That is not why he saved you. He saved you to set you free from sin. Not just the penalty of sin, 
but the very power of sin in your day-to-day life, right? So you turn from Hebrews into the book of James and you read this in verse two, chapter one, verse two. My brethren, count it all joy or count all things joy or count it only joy. You should understand it that way. In other words, my brethren, count it only joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Oh, so that very thing that the God of peace wants to accomplish in my life, he wants to accomplish it in my life in the midst of the trials and tribulations that come into my life. (laughs) Praise God. You mean that what's come into my life this morning, what's come into my life this evening, what came into my life on the interstate, what came into my life at work, what came into my life during this phone call, that whatever it is that came into my life did not come into my life to trip me up, but to show me that God has power over this. Yes. Yes. That's why it came. God wants you to be confronted with everything that you were ever confronted with before you were saved and many things that you have never been confronted with because he wants you to show you how great he is in all of these things because he has the power to change your heart so that your responses are different because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks God wants to so change our hearts that it changes the way we talk to each other. It changes the way we respond to one another. That's a miracle. That's a mighty miracle. God is not interested in changing your doctrine and my doctrine so that we can sign a certain thing and pass a certain test and say we believe the right things. That is not what he wants to do. He wants to change our hearts day by day in every situation. Amen? Now, so that's, so the book of James is the promise that God will change your everyday life. That's what the book of James is. Hebrews says God promises to change your life. That he promises to pour out a whole new quality of life. And James says yes. And he wants to do it in every moment of every day under every circumstance. Praise God for that. Now, turn into the book of Peter. Because that's what brings us into the book of Peter. So we are meant to come into the book of Peter after coming through the book of James where God says, count it only, count it all joy. Whatever's going on in your life, I am doing this so that you can know how great I am, so that you can see my mighty victory and, and I will change your responses to all things. I found that once I was saved, I was not, much, I was not an instigator of too much trouble anymore. Does anybody understand what, what I mean when I say that? right? Before I was saved, I was, I was content to instigate trouble, right? Just walk over to somebody who's just minding their own business and say, I don't like that tie. You know what I'm saying? I like this tie, but I hope you like my tie. <laughs> I was willing to instigate difficulty before I was saved. After I was saved, I really had no interest in interest. I didn't, I mean, again, I don't want to go through the things. I don't want to talk about how terrible my life was. My life was pretty terrible. I was a pretty not a very good person, but I had these things, no longer wanted to do these things anymore. So I stopped putting myself in the same situations that were a formula for failure, if you understand what I'm saying. I just didn't want to be involved with that. But here was my problem. When you, you know, when you came into my yard and caused trouble, now I was forced, listen, to respond to that. And this is a, I find, a greater victory 
than not causing trouble. Being able to respond in the spirit of Christ to difficulty that you didn't even bring up, right? Anybody else have a problem with that, right? I mean, I'm fine until you cut me off in traffic, right? It's like, hey, you know, hey, I'm driving here, right, you know? I mean, did you, did you not see that? What God wants to do is to deliver us from these things. So now we come into, we come into, now we don't have time. There's so much in 1 Peter. As we come into 1 Peter, what you realize, we're going to have to, I mean, we're going to go so slowly through these verse 9 verses. It'll probably take us literally weeks, maybe a week, a verse, maybe even multiple weeks, because there's so much rich doctrinal truth that, that Peter is being used of the Holy Spirit to lay down in the lives of these believers because it is so important for you to understand everything you need, everything you will ever need, Jesus has done and he's keeping it. This is so significant. He talks about election. He talks about the fact that, look, I know who you are. I know what you need. I have done what needs to be done for you. I am keeping everything that you need me to keep for you. I am the one that's doing this in your life, and I am preserving all of these things for you. Amen? You know, it's interesting. In that song, in the song that the girl sang, I Can Go In, you know, at first there's the, uh, the I think it's the uh, prophets, right? And the, and the prophets can go in. But the person there is like, well, I'm not a prophet. I don't fall into that group of people. I can't go in with these prophets. And then the second group of the martyrs, you know, those who died for Christ. And he's like, oh, I'm not a martyr. I can't go in with those, with those people. I mean, they, you know, they did, God really used them in some mighty ways. And I can't walk into heaven with those people. And then, the, and then he hears this group of people, and it says it sounded like children at their play. Right? And he saw, he saw David and Mary Magdalene and Paul and the thief that died by Jesus was the one that led them all. And so he says, you know, you hear who are these? He almost shouted at the angel. These are the sinners saved by grace. By the way, the other two groups were sinners saved by grace also. That's how the song ends. They, they all singing the same song because they know they could only go in by the same grace of God. But what happens is when he realizes, you mean that's it? I can go in just because my sins are forgiven? Yep, that's me. That's me. Man, I'll tell you what. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but when, when Brother Bobby and I were over in the Philippines together, we were, you know, we were at a conference, and he was, uh, he sang that song just before I preached, much like the girls just did. He sang it just before I preached, and he just, you know, Bobby playing, you know, blindly playing his guitar and singing with sheet music this close to his eyes. And, uh, and he's singing, singing that song in the, in the Philippines, and there was a, 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 um, an Irishman in the group uh, who was there also preaching that week. And they had this, I'm telling you, it was amazing. There's probably seating for probably... Uh, 1,500, and it was full. But they had a real big space, so when they gave uh, an invitation, there'd be room for a lot of people to come forward. So if you picture the first eight, probably eight pews gone, so there's this great big gulf right here, and this man who was here listening to the song was sitting on the front pew. He was sitting, we were sitting beside each other before I'd come up to preach, and he was sitting there, and as Bobby started to sing the song, I am not one of these, he just got up, he just stood up. And he said very loudly, I, I, like I'm not one of these. This is a man who's been, he's probably 70 years old, given his entire life to the gospel. He built the church in a, in a dump to take care of the children that lived in the dump. But I am not one of these, I. And he just started walking slowly across this big empty space. And Bobby kept singing, he got to the second one, and he said, I. And what's interesting is um, Bobby McKinney, right, Bobby McKinney is the wrong Irish for this guy, okay? I mean, I don't know the difference between, you know, uh, orange Irish and, 
Green Irish. I mean, you guys, you might, I don't know. But their names, their last names are opposed to each other. So when they met each other, he, he wouldn't even shake Bobby's hand. I mean, he was joking. But, but here, so here's Bobby singing the song. So this one Irishman singing this song, I can go in. This other Irishman, listen, and I'm telling you, very, very quiet, very, very austere man. And he's standing in the middle of, the, of this place all by himself with both of his hands raised in the air saying, I, I, because, I mean, not I like me, but I as in yes, I can go in. I can go in. And see, what God wants to do is he wants to replace just getting there in our lives, just getting there. He wants to replace this with, let's look at, just uh, look at verse 8. Verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now listen to this. Listen, hear me. There are a lot of things that, bring, that still bring Christians, born-again Christians, pleasure, that used to bring them pleasure. I mean, I'm imagining, I think if I'm not mistaken, that the New York Yankees have had a much better start to their season in baseball this year than was expected. Right, Daryl? And you, and you noticed probably, didn't you? Yes? Did you notice? I think they're ahead of the Red Sox in the standings. Is that true? Or? They are. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking you might notice that. What? <laughs> Now, the reason I mention that is because there's nothing wrong with him noticing that the Yankees, it won't last, by the way, but that the Yankees are doing well. There's nothing wrong with him noticing that, okay? And, the getting, and even getting some joy out of that, that that would actually make him happy. Kind of, kind of like um, if you were a Patriots fan and you're down by a record amount in a Super Bowl and you come back and win the Super Bowl. And probably most of you don't care, but I'm a Patriots fan. I thought it was kind of neat. Amen? Now, listen. There's nothing, those are, those are realities in our life. But listen, listen, hear me. But when the girls sing a song like they just sang, there's something within the born-again believer that nothing can compare to that. Nothing. It almost will make a Baptist stand up. Amen? By the way, if Jeremy, if Jeremy Bird had been here, and if John Stamathotis had been beside him, amen, you'd have heard some shouting. Even just Mark Crump being here, we would have heard some shouting. By the way, let me tell you something, just for, you, for all of us Baptists. The word rejoice, it's used twice here in the first nine verses. The, ver, the, the word rejoice, you can look it up for yourself just because you may not believe me. Um, but it literally means jump for joy. That's what it means. Just rejoice, not, not joy unspeakable and full of glory, just the rejoice part. Rejoice means to jump for joy. So God, listen, God fully intends that what he's done in our lives would make us jump for joy. That the salvation that he has provided for us, and listen, and is keeping for us, would raise our spirits so high that it would raise our bodies. We would literally jump for joy. This, listen, that's the normal Christian life. This is what, this is the promise of 1 Peter. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, we don't have time. Again, we don't have a lot of time to talk about this this morning. But the joy unspeakable doesn't mean that you don't talk about it. What it means is this, you can't explain it. 
Joy unspeakable and full of glory doesn't mean that you don't talk about how great Jesus is. What it means is this. While you're talking, you're very aware, I'm not doing this any justice at all. And boy, does a preacher feel like that. Preachers feel like that, I promise you, every single Sunday morning. The Word of God is so much greater than, than can be conveyed. All we can do is say, do you read that? Do you see that? Do you see that? Do you believe that? It's awesome, because it is awesome. This is the promise of God, joy unspeakable and full of glory. But what I want you to, listen, I I need you to take this with you today, but notice where it is. Let's read this verse again. It says, whom? So now we have to have an antecedent, right? For those of you that, you know, teach English, somebody's really happy that I said that, right? So whom? So you underline the word whom. Now we got to go back and find the antecedent to the word whom. So what is it pointing to? Anybody know? Anybody want to guess? You go ahead and you say it out loud. Jesus Christ from the very verse before that, right? So the antecedent to the word whom is Jesus Christ found in verse 7, right? So what that means is you can just take, instead of using the uh, pronouns or, or any of the possessive nouns, you can just simply put Jesus Christ there again. So say, Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, this is our Lord Jesus Christ, Though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So what is the source? What is the substance? What is the subject of our joy unspeakable and full of glory? And what is it? It's Jesus. Just Jesus. Listen, not your salvation. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is meant to fill your heart, your mind, your life, your family, your existence with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because he's that wonderful. Because he's that wonderful. He is, I'm telling you, he is far more wonderful. You know, my standing here with tears running down my face being emotional does not begin to convey to you how much I think he's wonderful. The forgiveness, if you have any idea of who you are, if you have any idea of how dreadful you are, then you will rejoice in the forgiveness that Christ alone can provide. And you will never want to stand before God in your good works. You will never want to stand before God in your righteousness. You will only ever want to stand before God in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen? And you will want, when God sees you, you will want him to see your Savior. Yes? There's a, um, another song, right? That's my savior, my interceder, right? Because right? here's the enemy saying everything about you. And guess what? You know what? The liar doesn't even have to lie to say terrible things about you. He can tell truths about you that would condemn you. But, but then a voice behind me whispers, child, I'm here. You're not alone. Amen? Amen? I will never have to stand before God the Father in my sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross, by the way. I don't know if you've received that forgiveness or not. If you have not received that forgiveness that Jesus died to pay for, then you are still in your own sins. But you don't have to stay there. Oh, I pray to God that you'll understand that quickly and that you will turn to Christ and let the forgiveness of sins be given to you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But... I'm beginning to really, really, truly enter in, and I hope you will. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim. By the way, right when they cut you off in traffic, 
Honestly, honestly, that's not my promise. That's not my promise. It's his promise. I can tell you that it is my experience, though. And it really wasn't until, I don't know, I, I started to say three years ago, five years ago. I don't know. It was, it was not that long ago. I, you, guys, you, know, you guys voted me as pastor long before that was true, right? There is no, there is no religious activity. There is no religious activity that will give you this freedom. There's just opening your Bible and saying, Father, show me your son. Show me your son. Through this book, show me your son. Now, <clears throat> I need you to see this before I, before I end tonight. Before this morning, excuse me. Verse 5 says, who are kept, talking about, talking about us and our salvation and our inheritance and everything. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at that last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. That's the first time you're supposed to jump for joy, by the way. We're, we'll do that. We'll practice that next week. Everybody come ready to jump for joy. It was when we read those verses. I'm just, just, I'm just, some of you won't even come next Sunday now. I promise I won't make you jump for joy. God will never make you have to jump for joy, okay? Don't do that. You know? um, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, notice this, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look up here for a moment. Remember what we saw, and you'll see this, by the way, this book ends with the same thing. First Peter ends with the same thing. The idea that this, listen, listen, living the Christian life in a wicked world is heavy. Do you understand? Do you understand? How, how many of you have, a, I mean, honestly, I hope you find time this. How many of you find times in your life to be alone with God, just you and, and, and God? Raise your hand if that's true for you. You find time to be just alone with God. Anybody? Okay, how many of you, ever, how many of you listen to music when you're doing that? Anybody listen to music when you're doing I listen to music. When I can, I will just, again, it's the Victorious Valley Girls, Bobby McKinney, just a few things specifically, but I will, I, will, I will listen to music when I can be by myself. I will get alone with God and I will listen to music. I will. And I, and I will have a, a literally a, a shouting good time doing it. Just a wonderful, wonderful time. Just a tremendous, wonderful, wonderful time. Because I can't imagine, as you listen to, I like the songs that, the songs that I listen to, I like the songs that I listen to to be full of, of sound doctrine. To be full of the truth of the Bible. That point, again, I don't like a lot of songs that talk about how I'm going to serve Jesus, how wonderful I am as a Christian, what a great servant we are, blah, blah, yak, 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 none of that. But tell me how great Jesus is in a song. Tell me how one, especially sing a passage to me that shows me how great Jesus is. Amen? And I will just literally rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen, that does not change the fact that later on that day, there's going to be heaviness because of the wickedness of this world. Do you understand? Wouldn't it be wonderful if, well, you don't have to think, wouldn't it be wonderful if. The end of 1 Corinthians says this, this corruptible, my body, right, will put on what? Incorruption. There's coming a time, my brother and sister in Christ, when we will no longer be in this wicked world and in this fleshly body. Amen? But it's not now. It's not now. So don't, listen, so count it all joy as God changes your everyday life and don't be troubled. Don't be troubled 
when the difficulty that is going to come does come in your everyday life. And by the way, I promise you, more than one. More than one difficulty a day. It wouldn't be heavy if it was just one, right? You know, yesterday we were doing some work. Um, Jason, would you stand up, Jason Ham? Would you stand up for just a moment? All right, you can sit right down. Okay. He didn't do that. He did that pretty quickly. Jason Hand's a pretty good sized fella, okay? So yesterday we were, we were loading um, mulch. We, you know, we were putting mulch into wheelbarrows and then moving the wheelbarrows. But at a certain point, we had to move a bunch of mulch from one place to another. So we decided to put the mulch into a truck and, because the truck's big. And so, but here's, now, anybody picture how high a wheelbarrow? Picture yourself standing up and picture the height of a wheelbarrow, okay? Now picture yourself standing up and picture a 4 by 4 pickup truck and the height of the pickup truck. And we had filled the bed so that the, it was now taller than the sides on the pickup truck. Now picture how high that is, right? Anybody picturing that? Yes? Okay, so it says, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Through what? And it, by the way, the word manifold literally means motley, motley. So it's various, different, and motley. That's the idea. So picture this. And here, I want you to picture this because I was doing it. Right? So what happens, at a certain point, the boys couldn't, it was funny because some of them were still doing it, picking up a, a, a pitchfork full of, of uh, um, mulch and throwing it kind of toward the truck, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, okay. And I just said, you guys can stop now because whatever doesn't get into the truck, we just have to move again. So, so, so at this point, now you just have a couple of men that are doing it. And Jason had been working, but Jason's been going through this, you know, difficulty, physical difficulty. And so I had taken the pitchfork away from him and said, Jason, let me do that. And so I'm doing it. And I've done quite a, quite a number of pitchforks at this point. Well, here's what happens. The sheer number of them causes it to be what? Heavy. The first one weighs two pounds. The 50th one weighs 130 pounds, Right? Now, you know that that's not true. You know it's the same amount of weight. But when one thing after another comes on you, as it does in your everyday life, it gets to be heaviness through manifold temptations. And I literally, and what's funny is, I think it was Dr. Smith said, do we need to put any more? There was like just a little bit left on the ground. Do we need to put any more in the truck? And I said, I don't know if I can put any more in the truck. And the reason I asked Jason to stand, because Jason said, here, Pastor, let me have it. And so I handed him the pitchfork back, and he just, you know, he's just a big, strong guy. And he just, just threw it up in there again. This is the difference in our life if we try in our own strength to carry the manifold temptations that come into our life all day. You may think you can carry the first one. You may even think you can carry the first three, four, five, six, or seven. But I promise you there's coming a point when that camel's back will break. And you just won't be able to care. But listen, instead of trying ever in your own strength, let him do the first one. I should have just handed the shovel back to J- the pitchfork back to Jason and said, you know, you can have another surgery, right? What, what's not a big deal, right? Do you understand? What God wants you to understand is, it says, listen, listen, wherein ye greatly rejoice. So the beginning of this verse literally has you jumping up and down for joy. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. And this is literally for a small period of time. Praise God, we won't be here for long. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Why? Because God is proving that what you have is the real thing. And he's winning the victory one Temptation 
at a time. One motley temptation at a time, if you'll let him. And most Christians, most Christians are not letting him. And then we're tired. And then we're fussy. And then we're fussy with each other. But this is not what God wants for us. What God wants us to be able to do is to live in verse 8. We believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, even in the midst of a day that is actually full of manifold temptations. Knowing this, one, God's going to conquer every one of these temptations. Two, I'm not going to have to do this for very long. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how simple this truth is. I thank you for the object lesson from yesterday, Lord, as I was realizing that this is exactly what you're showing us. Lord, these motley temptations, these things that come into our life, they are too much for us. But you knew they were too much for us before you allowed us to prove what we actually have. Lord, I pray that everybody here, anyone and everybody that's here who cannot take these temptations because they're just not a new creature. They cannot get victory. They cannot get any joy because they're just not new creatures. But Lord, those who are your children, those of us who know you, Lord, would you set us free from trying in our own strength to impress you with how many forklifts we can lift. Lord, would you cause us to understand that you're not looking for that out of us at all. What you're asking us to do is to trust you, to believe you at your word. You're the one who saved us. You're the one who's keeping us. You're the one that's preserved all these things. You're the one that's proving to us that you're there. You're the one doing this. Father, would you help us to enter into this? Would you cause us to enter into this? We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.